Hey, Lindsay. Hey, Quinn. How and, are you? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. It's rainy. It is rainy. I don't know why I just default to talking about the weather. I'm like such a, I'm such a weirdo. It's not really weird. I think that's a pretty common, you know. Fallback. Yeah, pretty common small talk fallback. Small talk fallback for antisocial weirdos by Quinn Lundquist. Which is funny, how long have we known each other? That's true. Um, what is this? This is a podcast. <laughs> it's a podcast about public health. What is it called? It's called Viral. Great job. Thank you. Um, and this podcast is about the history of plagues, disease outbreaks, and the people who work behind the scenes to keep us all safe and healthy. And we're not necessarily talking about a plague today. Right. Unless it's a plague of cool. Um, no, uh, <laughs> Mr. Cool Man, we're talking about e-cigs, vape pens, and cig rigs, if you get my drift. Ooh, cool. We're going to rip some sweet cotton. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's right, folks. We're talking about e-cigarettes today. I feel like we're not qualified because we're not, like, young and hip. You're right. I maybe that's why we're qualified to talk about the health of from from an objective standpoint. We can we can talk about them. I would like to point out to our listeners that while we were writing first writing this episode, we were sitting at a cafe while Mm -hmm. a horde of uh, vapors were sitting right outside the window we were typing at. Just. Away. Speaking of the weather, it was a cloudy day in front of us really with did. the clouds that were being puffed out of these people's mouths. It smelled like cotton candy and Mountain Dew. Ooh, yum. Delicious. Yeah, so what's what's the deal? <laughs> no, you are not doing a Seinfeld impression. What's the deal with all these e-cigarettes? Quinn, uh, like, e-cigarettes seems like a pretty new phenomenon. Well, <laughs> let me tell you. Um, in the 1880s and 1890s, entrepreneurs promoted novel products that allegedly blocked nicotine and other constituents of conventional cigarettes believed to be poisonous. This is where Dr. Scott's Electric Cigarettes, <laughs> advertised in Harper's Weekly, claimed not only to light without matches, but also to contain a cotton filter that strains and eliminates the injurious qualities from the smoke, including nicotine. Ladies and gentlemen, gather around for I'm imagining like a, a huge steam-powered engine oh with like different pulleys and gears all sort of like shifting. Basically and- like steampunk. A steampunk e-cigarette and like someone puffing at one end and, you know, there's like a child sort of (laughs) walking around, like turning a a huge um, lever to keep it working. Um, So that's pretty cool. Yeah. But an electronic cigarette or e-cigarette is a handheld battery powered vaporizer that simulates smoking by providing some of the behavioral aspects of smoking, like the hand-to-mouth action, uh, but without burning tobacco. 
So that's known as vaping because they use vapor instead of smoke. Um, and instead of cigarette smoke, the user inhales an aerosol, commonly called vapor. Um, e-cigarettes typically have a heating element that atomizes a liquid solution called e-liquid. So it's full of really cool terms like like e-liquid. What about i-liquid? Is that is that the Macintosh version? Yeah, that's Steve Jobs' version. Okay. Um, the history of electronic cigarettes or vaping products is, to me, a case study in simultaneous competing actions being taken by governments around the world that both promote and try to limit the product and behavior, leading to a lot of confusion for consumers, such as, you know, the same time that a lot of countries are banning the sale of e-cigarettes, there are studies coming out saying that, oh, they make a good nicotine replacement therapy option for people trying to quit smoking. And we're going to try to get into whether or not that's true and also try to talk about, well, what about people who never smoke cigarettes and go straight to vaping? Is that safe? And what about secondhand vape? <laughs> yeah. We will talk about that. So tobacco use is a significant public health threat. That's, that shouldn't be surprising to anyone. Um, in fact, smoking is the leading cause of preventable disease and death in the United States. Still. 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 And responsible for like half a million deaths per year. Now, while there has been a significant decline in the use of traditional cigarettes among youth over the past decade, their use of other tobacco products continues to climb. Um, and this history... Uh, of trying to take a cigarette and make it like, I don't know, less harmful or trying to like tinker with the science of smoking technology goes back. Well, obviously, we talked about Dr. Scott's electric cigarettes, um, <laughs> but the first <laughs> right. The first patent was was granted in uh, 1930 to a guy named Joseph Robinson. It was never commercialized, and it's not clear that even a prototype was manufactured. But in the patent, Joseph Robinson says, My invention relates to vaporizing devices for holding medicinal compounds which are electrically or otherwise heated to produce vapors for inhalation, and the general object is to provide a device of this character for individual use which may be freely handled without any possibility of being burned and which is sanitary and very effective, and so simple anyone can use it. Great job. Cool. Let's fast forward to the 1960s. A man named Herbert A. Gilbert, which is it's just a good name. And, and we hope that his middle name is Albert. I hope that his middle name is Albert. I could look that up, but I don't want to. We're just going to let that... I'm going to say his name is Herbert Albert Gilbert. I really hope. He is generally credited with the creation of the first device that closely resembles the modern e-cigarette. He received a patent in 1965 and actually created prototypes, but failed to commercialize it. In his patent, it says, The present invention relates to a smokeless non-tobacco cigarette and has for an object to provide a safe and harmless means for and method of smoking by replacing burning tobacco and paper with heated, moist, flavored air. So basically a fart. 
It's it's a fart machine. Wow. Yeah. Or by heated, inhaling heated fart machine. machine. Warm medication into the lungs in the case of respiratory ailment under direction of a physician. So he was talking about like non-tobacco devices. But yeah, the I just can't get past heated, moist, flavored air. Again, that's a fart. It's a fart. Now, according to an interview with Herbert Gilbert by a blogger, whose site is called the Ashtray Blog. <laughs> Great name, bro. Which aims to keep up to date with all things vape. He says, and, and this is Herbert Gilbert, and this is kind of like going where his mind was at when creating this thing. I'm a logical guy, and logic told me to define the problem and then develop a solution. The problem, as I concluded, was that when you burned leaves and wood, even if you did so in your backyard, it yielded a result that no one wanted to take into their lungs. Okay, you follow him so far? Yep, following. Now, you can chew lettuce leaves, they're good for you, and cinnamon is like tree bark, and it doesn't hurt you. But if you dried it out, ground it up, mixed them together, put them in a big paper bag, and set it on fire, the result would not be something you would want going into your lungs. Uh, I mean, I guess that tracks. <laughs> sure. So... Therefore, to put it as simply as possible, the problem could not occur if there was no combustion. Eureka! I had to find a way to put out the fire. Wait, they used fire in my aunt's bakery to make bread and cookies from flour, so what was the difference? They didn't burn it, they cooked it, and the aroma was a treat. Nobody screamed, the oven is on fire, lie on the floor and crawl outside. At this point, I happen to remember how tea is brewed. At this point, he's like an old guy, just oh sort of God. rambling like a little really bit. Oh my God, this is really hard to follow. That solved the problem. Using logic, I had to find a way to replace burning tobacco and paper with heated, moist, flavored air. He said it himself. It's all about that heated, moist, flavored air. He has to keep reiterating that logic is in this makes me feel like it's not logical. <laughs> it's it's just logic. Is it? Look, if you chew a, if you chew a cinnamon. It's good for you. But if you burn it and inhale it, not good for you. So, sure. by the transitive yeah. property of tea, then e-cigarettes <clears throat> are good. Okay, but the smell that comes from I tea. rest my case. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, <laughs> product of the 60s, for sure. Yeah. So, starting in 1979, Phil Ray one of the pioneers of computers, worked with his personal physician, Norman Jacobson, to create the first commercialized variation on the e-cigarette. They performed the first known formal research into the field on nicotine delivery. And they were the ones that actually started creating these devices and um, commercializing them. But they kind of failed, and um, they kind of blamed their their failure on the device they created being not super reliable. Um, however, their, their major success was they invented the verb vape and added that to the lexicon. Thanks, guys. A few more patents appeared in the decades that followed, and 2003 is the next major leap. So, 2003, what would become the first commercially successful e-cigarette is created in Beijing, China, by Han Lik, a 52-year-old pharmacist, inventor, and smoker. That, that's like his name bar. That's what it says on his name tag? Yeah. 
he reportedly created the device after his father died of lung cancer, which is sad. It is sad. He wanted to, I don't know, try and make something that allowed people to still smoke, but maybe wouldn't die. you wouldn't die of lung cancer. Anyways. Ooh, that's a lot to unpack. Yeah. He claims it was a dream that led to the invention of the e-cigarette. Just like the cotton gin. It, it's just a dream. It was prophetic. As a smoker of between two to three packs a day, and after his father developed lung cancer, he was ready to quit. Now, he turned to nicotine patches to help. Um, still having difficulty quitting, and after a night of coughing and sputtering, Han Lick finally fell asleep, but he forgot to remove his nicotine patch. And as many patch users can attest, this can lead to vivid dreams, mm -hmm. probably because of nicotine overdose. Mm -hmm. um, in his nicotine-induced dream, he was drowning in a deep sea. Now, suddenly, the sea vaporized. And he found himself floating in a bright and colorful fog. I, I don't even know what to say to that. I mean, it's, it's logic. Thank you, again, for reminding me of the logic of this. He realized that vaporization was the important part of the dream. His experience <laughs> struggling to quit with patches had shown him that gradual, consistent delivery of nicotine wasn't enough. He worked out that if the nicotine was vaporized, it would meet his cravings in a more cigarette-like fashion. So, after the breakthrough, he started working on the first prototype of the modern e-cigarette. He may have originally used ultrasound technology to vaporize the liquid, but soon the e-cigarette found the form we know today. He founded the company Ruyan, which means like smoke, and got his idea on the market. And he, after he started it, it really kind of exploded. Well, maybe exploded isn't the right. Well, we'll get to that. Um, so April 2006, e-cigarettes were introduced to Europe, and um, over the next year, they were introduced to the United States. In September 2008, the World Health Organization proclaims that it does not consider the electronic cigarette to be a legitimate smoking cessation aid and demands that marketers immediately remove their materials uh, from their materials any suggestions that the WHO considers them safe and effective. In May 2009, so they've already been on the market for two years at this point, the FDA conducts its first tests of two brands of e-cigarettes, after two years of it being on the market. Um, tests reveal trace amounts of tobacco-specific nitrosamines in the liquid in levels comparable to those found in um, FDA-approved nicotine cessation products, basically meaning, okay, it is delivering nicotine. Um, they also found a non-toxic amount, approximately 1% of diethylene glycol. Now, you know, what are the long-term effects of that? We don't quite know yet. Um, some, also, some cartridges labeled as zero milligrams nicotine are showed to con actually contain trace amounts of nicotine. Yes. In August 2009, Suffolk County, New York, passed the first legislation banning indoor use of electronic cigarettes in areas where smoking is also prohibited and bans the sales to persons under age 19. It's interesting that they chose 19. I guess maybe the law in New York is different because yeah, I know in some places weird. it's 18. Mm -hmm. for, for cigarettes, yes. That's... Yeah. Now, March 2010, the first vape fest is held in Richmond, Virginia. I can only imagine what that was like. 
In June 2010, the American Medical Association passed a policy urging the FDA to regulate e-cigarettes as drug delivery devices. Now, in February 2011, there was a study uh, published in the American Journal of Preventive Medicine that said electronic cigarettes are a promising tool to help smokers quit, producing six-month abstinence rates that are better than those for traditional nicotine replacement products. So as these things are you know, becoming more popular and um, different medical associations are saying they should be regulated, um, they're, you know, and some places are starting to ban them. Some places are starting to, mm-hmm. like, all going back and forth, um, there's the study that says, okay, maybe it would help people quit. In June 2011, the first vape stock was held, like Woodstock, but oh, for vaping. Oh. Vape stock was held in Clearwater Beach, Florida. Because of course it was. Um, in August 2011, a study published in the journal Addiction provides strong evidence that electronic cigarettes are being used with success by many smokers to quit smoking or cut down substantially on the number of cigarettes they consume. It wasn't until October of 2011, though, that they had the first clinical trial. And again, said that they may be more effective than traditional nicotine replacement therapy products and may be particularly effective in smokers who are not motivated to quit. March 2012, the first vape bash is held in Chicago. Are you liking these? Uh... I'm really enjoying this timeline where it's, it's just peppered with fun festivities for vapors. Yep. Vape fest, vape stock, vape bash. Uh, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty wild. In April, 2014, the American Vaping Association was, um, I just, just love that American Vaping Association. They championed the use of vapor products and e-cigarettes to help smokers quit. In November, 2014, Oxford Dictionaries announces the word of the year is vape. There's a few different things that affect like someone's vaping and potential health implications. The choice of e-liquid, the user's puffing style, and the device's capacity to aerosolize the e-liquid at increasing temperatures by modulating its wattage and resistance all kind of determine whether or not the person will have a satisfactory experience and whether or not it's going to sufficiently mimic the sensory feel of smoking. Um, But also, if it's like more pleasurable, people may do it for longer periods of time than smoking. So what does that do to like the actual amount of nicotine or other chemicals they put into their body? Um, We do know that there are close to 8,000 unique flavors. That's right. I don't know if if you're just giving me a pen and paper, if I could come up with 8,000 flavors. I don't think I could do it. Yeah. I mean, if we're starting to like... I mean, how many flavors of uh, Harry Potter I jelly beans? I was just going to say, I'm like, are we getting into Birdie Bots' Every Flavor Jelly Bean territory where there's like earwax? Who wants to vape earwax? Oh. How are we getting into some gross territory? Yeah. I mean, there probably are some really gross ones. Well, many of them are irritants, which uh-huh. may increase airway inflammation 
And some are some of the flavors are more toxic than other flavors. Like there are flavors for that are like buttered popcorn and stuff, which we did talk about popcorn lung in the past. Yeah, they can like make your throat more susceptible to viral infection. They can do all Mm -hmm. kinds of different things. Now, tell me a little bit about some of the scientific evidence that we have regarding the old uh, the old vape rigs because oh, it's complicated. It is very complicated. So again, how e-cigarettes work is, of course, they're battery powered. They heat the e-liquid into an aerosol that the user inhales and then exhales, right? And of course, it contains nicotine, but it also can include propylene glycol, glycerins, flavorings, and other chemicals. Cool juice. Cool, the cool juice, the, the secret sauce, if you will. Um, but we're really still learning about the effects of e-cigarettes. And of course, there's controversy around the evidence as well as philosophical differences in its use and harm reduction, which you sort of touched on, right? So the, there's been, there's actually a recent article in um, the American Journal of Public Health. And it talked about the differing positions between Public Health England, which is there, which is the UK's um, public health service, and U.S. federal agencies like the FDA and Centers for Disease Control. Public Health England and the FDA and, C- and CDC agree that combustible cigarettes are dangerous. Cool. We're, we have agreement on that. Um, it only how, took us how many years? Yeah, you know, I mean, the, you know, the Attorney General's report came out, what, in the 50s? So great job, guys. We agree on that. Just took us a little while. However, they differ on their position of efficacy as a smoking cessation aid, its increasing use among youth, and its impact on bystanders. Um, Public Health England has initiated a campaign to encourage smokers to switch to e-cigarettes as long as it's a permanent switch. The FDA and CDC do not recommend the use of e-cigarettes as a smoking cessation tool as it has not gone through clinical trials to prove efficacy. They, the FDA actually invited e-cigarette companies to submit their e-cigarettes to go through this process, right? So they could actually definitively market themselves as smoking cessation tools, and they declined. Yeah, from what I have read, um, some of the cigarette companies who also own some of the e-cigarette yeah. companies were basically like, oh, if we do a study that says this is safer than our main product, then it, then the logic assumes that our main product is unsafe. Which is crazy because we all know that your main product is unsafe. Like that's been clearly established. So I can't even imagine working for, I can't even imagine working for like Philip Morris. I don't even, I don't, I can't even imagine what that's like. Yeah. So the FDA and CDC have started putting out research and public health campaigns warning young people and, and you know, the general public about the dangers of e-cigarette use and how it can lead to traditional cigarette use. Uh, public Health England actually has said that in their research, they have not found that e-cigarette use among teens and young people has resulted in actual traditional tobacco use, which is fascinating. Well, you got right? you know, British teens are way different than American sure, teens. they're like they're much they're more sophisticated they're really cool compared to usd they don't they don't do the cigarettes 
So as you talked about earlier, the FDA has been slow to regulate manufacturers' quality control methods, right? Which means that many of these products do not have to stop adding harmful substances like volatile organic compounds, which are commonly known as VOCs, that can cause irritation and organ damage, flavoring chemicals, um, which some studies have shown that flavors contain different levels of, chem- of a chemical called di- diacetyl, which mm-hmm. has been linked to serious lung disease called bronchiolitis obliterans. That's the popcorn lung chemical. There you go. Yep. And then also formaldehyde, which is a cancer-causing substance. Even that's still in the, the e-liquid? Yeah. And the FDA doesn't, they have not told them they need to stop putting it in there. Okay. New studies are continually coming out about the health effects of e-cigarettes, so the body of research is growing. Some studies have shown that while e-cigarettes have fewer chemicals than combustible cigarettes, they still contain heavy metals like lead. Also, much like traditional cigarettes, those who are around someone who's vaping can be exposed to the aerosol and chemicals, much like secondhand smoke. That's really interesting. Mm -hmm. Uh, They call it um, something else, though. Yeah, they call it secondhand aerosol. Interesting. Shaw. That's a beautiful, just beautiful. Sha-na-na. Sha-na-na. Um, they may be less harmful than traditional cigarettes because of the combustion aspect, but there's still much we don't know, and that, and it um, it doesn't mean that they're completely harmless. Yeah, less harmful does not equal safe. Uh, right. As mentioned before, we've seen a spike in e-cigarette use in young people in the United States, which is concerning given the negative health impacts that nicotine can have on developing brains, because remember... They are still a nicotine delivery device, right? Yeah. Um, The Centers for Disease Control have noted that there is research linking youth e-cigarette use with the use of other tobacco products, which increase their exposure to cancer-causing chemicals and combustion. It's because teen is a nicotine. Ooh. I'm, like, so scared they're going to use that now. (laughs) Because that's actually a pretty good, like, marketing tagline. Dang it. Dang it. Darn my brain. Just giving out free marketing. I know. E-cigarettes have reignited the tobacco industry in the United States after decreasing sales, moving them into other markets, and developing countries ill-equipped to deal with their army of lawyers and limited resources. So earlier we talked about the differing philosophies around harm reduction versus sort of, I would say, harm abstinence, right? It This is still a conversation that happens in the public health field. You know, Is it that we want somebody to completely disengage and and be abstinent from a certain behavior that's going to cause negative health impacts? Or are we okay with people reducing harm, right? So, and and really, I think it, sure, we want people to reduce harm. We think about it in terms of like sexual risk, right? Like Mm -hmm. we're not going to get people who are engaging in high risk sexual activity to all of a sudden be abstinent, right? That's just not going to happen. But we can employ and encourage um, risk reduction activities, right? Like, okay, well, try and use a condom more often. Or, you know, maybe think about... Um, well, like just getting tested routinely. Exactly, right? Asking We're, partners and being right, open reducing about. the number of sexual partners that you and, have. And there if are you other can. there are other barriers, sure. not just condoms. I Get mean, those dental know. dams. Mm-hmm. You know, so... So we see like harm reduction as a practice, you know, when we talk about safer sex, but I think that, you know, because we have a, you know, an entire public health history of really just being like, don't smoke, 
it's really hard, I think, for a lot of public health professionals to wrap their head around, like, well, like, don't, I mean. Yeah, this is better. Yeah, this is better. It's not great, but it's, like, a little less bad. Yeah, and the idea of, okay, so you want to try and quit. Here are some ways to do that. One, two, three, four. Like, introducing a new one to that is always going to be kind of hard because they, like, okay, we have nicotine replacement, like the patches, and there's... Lozenges. I mean, cognitive behavioral therapy. Mm -hmm. There's, like, a lot of different um, well-tested methods for doing that, and we don't have a lot of tests for um, e-cigarettes out there. I mean, I listed some, and they have some effect, but it sounds like, from what I've read, is the the evidence is that it has kind of a lower effect in terms of getting people to actually quit. It's like they're still getting nicotine in their body, which, I mean... Not not great. It's not great, you know, but they're getting less of the tar Mm -hmm. and less of the other hundred whatever carcinogens that are in Mm -hmm. cigarettes. And so... Yeah. Yeah, thumbs up, good. But also, we talked about, like, the heavy metals and the mm-hmm. ethylene glycol and the diacetyl. It's like, well, those are still not great. So right. where do we come down on that? I guess as health professionals, we have to say the best thing is to not put things in your lungs other than good yeah. old air. But if you are determined to put something into your lungs, at least this one is not as bad. I have to say, too, I think what also makes it more complicated is there's also the addiction piece. You know, nicotine is an addictive substance, and so it's both chemical and behavioral. And we're still trying to figure out addiction in general um, and the way we treat addiction, you know, whether it's nicotine or opioids or alcohol we're still, the, I mean, we're still trying to figure Betting that out. too much on the ponies. Sure. Eating too much cake. Sure. Yeah. Eating too much cake. All that. All, and then throwing yeah, that's up. My, that's, that's my cross to bear. That's my cross to bear. Um, But, you know, I, we're still really trying to understand addiction. And I think that, you know, for some people, the reason why we have so many different cessation tools is because addiction is different for different people, right? Yeah. Some people might be addicted to cigarettes I mean, obviously nicotine is a factor, but, you know, they're addicted because, you know, they enjoy the ritual or they they started at a really stressful time in their life or, you know, there's so many different reasons why people start smoking. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's my two cents. Yeah. I, I kind of, I kind of have mixed feelings about it because I personally know some friends and they no longer smoke cigarettes and Hanging out with them is a much more enjoyable experience now than just like the the cloud of like just smoke and the smells that follow around them. I mean, they use e-cigarettes now and I wish they would not use anything at all. But I mean, hanging out with them is, is much better than it was before. And to me, at least, the the vapor doesn't bother me a whole lot, but... It's different if you're in a car with them or depending on how much they use it, that could bother you. Or if you're really sensitive to um, whatever flavor they're using, it could bother you. And just knowing that there is some kind of a risk for secondhand aerosols kind of worries me because then what does that mean for like 
kids being exposed mm-hmm. to secondhand aerosols? Does that do anything to them? What does that like do to a developing brain? Yeah, we know that nicotine is not it's 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 unhealthy for a developing brain. It can negatively impact them. Yeah. So, you know, if we know that that's in an aerosolized form, as well as you know, the multiple other chemicals that are in um, the secondhand aerosol. You know, I would be really worried about that, too, because you can't really, I mean, especially same thing with secondhand smoke. There's not, you know, there's not a lot that you can do to control it when you're a person that's there. Right. And which is why we have laws that prohibit secondhand smoke in certain areas. Right. In the state of Florida, we now have a constitutional amendment that bans vaping in the workplace as well as offshore drilling. Because those are the same thing. Yes. They're the (laughs) same issue. Yeah. That was weird. Uh, Florida. Yeah, you know, got to ban offshore vaping. <laughs> oh, man, I really wanted to vape my rig on an oil rig. <gasps> yeah, I just Whoa. I just said it. Just said it. It's so good. Just said it. I, I do think it's kind of funny whenever I drive by, like, someone in their car with their huge lightsaber-looking contraption. It's just so big. Some of them are so big. It's cr- It actually looks like an old... Like an old, like, uh, recording device sometimes. Yeah, or, or like the old cell phones, how yeah. they're huge. And like a, or a Motorola Razor, like, they're just... They should, like, repurpose some of those old, like, Nokia oh brick cell phones into... Oh, man, I better I better patent that. Yeah, that, that would actually probably be pretty successful. But then you have some that look just like USB sticks, which is something that, you know, if you're not familiar with... The Jewel, J-U-U-L, um, those were getting getting kids in a lot of trouble on at school because they looked just like a USB stick. They were just charging them at school. And they were just charging them at school, and teachers had no idea that they were also vape pens, essentially. Mm-hmm. So, and that was actually something that happened, that was something that even here in Pinellas County, schools were dealing with, yeah. still are dealing with. Oh, what do you think the next, what do you think the next vape is going to be? like? The next weird drug delivery system technology is it going to be like how in Parks and Rec where they have the the like hand sanitizer alcohol and oh my gosh the like well we're already like, yeah oh gosh what was right that? yeah that was good well we're already seeing you know vape pens also being used for like marijuana right like yeah. hash oil CBD um, and other stuff um, again I feel like. I'm of two minds of that because it's not going to, if people are going to self-medicate in that way, that's like kind of thinking, okay, just don't do it and then drive. (laughs) Don't do it around like little kids and stuff and take care of yourself. But also if you're going to be around me and at least it's not going to be just lingering in the air everywhere. If you're going to get, if you want the cannabidiol or whatever and the THC in your body, this may be a better way to do it. However, you're probably better without doing that. So I think there's better delivery methods for, I I don't know. Like I, yeah, it, it's complicated, right? Like, yeah. um, you know, I think, I think my, my biggest concern is just regulating quality control, you know, making sure that there isn't, you know, because the other thing too is you that. You wouldn't get your products replaced called like lizard, lizard, lizard juice. juice. 
Oh, or, you mean headquartered here in Pinellas County? Is right. that what you're talking about? Some of the little vape shops and stuff have the funniest names. Right? Yeah. So two things. Better regulation of what's in e-liquids and also making sure that those those vials are childproof because there have been so many calls to poison control because little kids have been getting into them because they have... Yeah, it know, looks like candy. It looks like candy. And like you said, there's 8,000 flavors. A lot of them are candy flavored. So yep. they smell good. And, you know, kids don't understand the difference between something that... I mean, it smells like candy. Like, what else do you think it's going to be? Um, so I think the... Gosh, when I was working at the health department doing um, tobacco prevention... I think there was like a 400% increase to poison control. Um, and it was that 400% increase was calls to poison control because kids had gotten into those vials and then had nicotine poisoning. Well, here's a list of some really good vape shop names. Oh boy. The Vapor Shoppy, S-H-O-P-P-E, mm. like ye old vape shop. Oh my goodness. The Village Vaporium, uh, Vaporville, Viva La Vapor, Vaporstorm. Vape Crave, Vapor Rage, oh. Vapor Revolution, Whoa. Vapor Life, L-Y-F-E, mm-hmm. I Vape, <laughs> I Heart Vape, Fat Boy E-Vapes, oh. hmm. Vape Goat, Darth Vapor. Oh, I mean, that one, yeah, Planet, that was pretty good. Planet of the Vapes. <sighs> yep. Uh, I mean, good, good on them for, like, having some those are, fun with it. Yeah, I guess. I, I guess they went for it. They did. I mean, would we expect anything less? No. <sighs> I don't think so. Wow. That sure is something, isn't it? That is something. Oh my I goodness. think Darth Vapor and Planet of the Vapes are pretty are pretty good. It is pretty good. I don't know. Unless in 10 years there's a, a bunch of studies that all come out saying, oh, hey, remember... How e-cigarettes caused everyone to explode in the year 2022 or whatever, um, that they're going to be around and that public health just needs to figure out what its message is, Mm -hmm. what they're willing to sacrifice in terms of harm reduction and how hard they're going to come down on it because it's not going to go anywhere. And if they're just going to like take the route of banning or taxing, like, those are the kind of two main um, solutions for for cigarette use, taxing being like one of the most effective ones. What are they going to do for e-cigarettes? Are they going to just start trying to make them so expensive that young people don't want to do them anymore? Or are they just going to try to like go with a marketing approach and I say, was just gonna say, don't start this or... Well, I think the marketing approach is, is twofold, right? Like there's marketing the public health message around, you know, behavior change and, and prevention, but there's also regulating their ability to market, right? We regulate the tobacco industry's ability to market on television. Right. Um, yeah. Netflix just said something about how they're going to stop showing uh, depictions in their original shows mm-hmm. of, of people smoking. So and are they going to start doing that with like, with vaping? I don't know. I, I don't know either. And, you know, like I, I talked about earlier with the amount of kids that are, you know, there needs to be something I think around marketing. I mean, the fact that we have so many flavors that are candy flavored. That's not good. No 50 year old man is like vaping a gummy bear. Yeah. Bubble gum, 
Yeah, gummy bear e-liquid. No. And if they are, like, good for you, but... If I vaped, that would be probably s'mores. be what I would... Oh, I would probably go with a s'mores. Yeah, I, it would be s'mores. See, I would... I, I do like a good green apple flavored something, though. Or grape. You're also not a 50-year-old man. Not yet. I, I feel I'll check like, back in when you're 50. Yeah, we'll do a follow-up episode. <laughs> to find out if my candy consumption has changed at all. I'm going to guess no. Although, like, my 88-year-old grandfather doesn't have any teeth, and he still loves him some candy. It's a Swedish sweet tooth kind of thing. Do you still call it a sweet tooth if you have no teeth left? Sweet gum? Sweet gum. Oh. Oh, no, that's... Well, that's a trait. Sweet tooth less? Yeah. I think I'm probably just gonna love candy Mm -hmm. forever. How can you not? I know. It's flavored sugar. Yeah. Hey, speaking of things that make you happy... Ooh. What are you enjoying this week? Okay, so I just finished a really good book. It's called The Bird King. (laughs) Yeah? By G. Willow Wilson. Okay. It was super good. It's kind of a swashbuckling historical fiction in the sense of it's not trying to tell something from, from history. It's more like a fiction story that takes place during a historical period. Mm-hmm. And um, it's incredibly good. It also has elements of magical realism, Ooh. and um, it was just written beautifully. So I I highly recommend it. It just came out um, this year, actually. Hmm. So I definitely recommend that one. That's pretty much it right now. Finished a good book. It's good to get lost in a novel. I. Um, well, definitely started watching Stranger Things. Oh, I haven't yet. I need to watch Stranger Things and I need to watch Good Omens. Ah, Good Omens is so good. I think they're setting up for a second season, which is interesting. I'm interested to see where they're going to go with that. Because, I mean... Did you read the book? I did. I did. Yeah, and the first season ends at the end of the book. Really? So they're going to go beyond? I guess. Okay. Um... I also started watching Fleabag, which is hilarious and delightful, and I, it was based on listening to an interview um, that the main actress did on NPR, and I was just like, I have to watch this. It's I've heard really good great. things about it's it. It's really good. Yeah, I've heard It's good. really funny. So that's what I've been enjoying. I, I started reading like a, a book called Emergent Strategy, which is by Adrienne Marie Brown, and... I'm still getting through it. It's very like high level self-help, society help, and planet help is what is in like sort of the summary of the book. But it's very interesting. It's like approaching how we collaborate with each other and try and solve social problems instead of having the charismatic leader thinking about it in the same way that nature collaborates, right? Like, and she talks a lot about Octavia Butler and sort of like this very sci-fi Afrofuturism sort of perspective, which is like That's fascinating. Cool. So it makes me want to read Octavia Butler because I've heard wonderful things about her writing. So I feel like I'm just going to end up going down this like rabbit hole of like sci-fi Octavia Butler, but also like patterns in nature. I don't know. It's, it's pretty good. It's pretty good so far. Whoa. Hey, Quinn, thanks for giving us the history of e-cigarettes. Thank you for giving us the uh, the scientific evidence. You know what? The truth is out there. Right? <laughs> we had to take like a, you know, X-Files approach to, to e-cigarettes. But 
We want to let you all know that if this is your first time listening to Viral, we have a website. It's www.viral-pod.com. On the interweb. On the interweb. Uh, You can go here, find out more about us nerds, sign up for email alerts, and you can also um, just learn more about the show. We also are on lots of different podcast catchers. Yep. Um, so please give us a review, especially if you're on um, Apple Podcasts. Yeah, or tell, tell your friends. Tell your friends. Hey, do you like public health or do you like weird things? Listen to our show. And if you have a suggestion for a future topic, let us know using yep. the email form on our website. Our intro and outro music is Take Your Medicine by the Quick and Easy Boys. And please remember to wash your hands. Wash them. Wash your vape rigs. I'm Lindsay Grove. I'm Quinn Lundquist. Uh, bye-bye. Bye. Bye.